Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Recording. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Fail Like an Artist with your hosts, Julie Battisti and me, Phoebe Ganza a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight, advice, and humor. Each episode, we will discuss a failure and what we've learned from it. This week, we're discussing failing to find a style, which is a really big, juicy topic with lots to talk about. But first, we're just going to do a little bit of an introduction. And um, Julie, how are you? How's your week going? And who are you? (laughs) (laughs) not too bad not too bad I've been telling myself that I can't answer that question every time with I'm tired so I'm trying to come up with more complex you literally just did (laughs) (laughs) fail so my name is Julie Battisti I'm from Australia originally I currently live in Dunedin in the south of New Zealand my husband and two boys I do actually have one of them with me at the moment so if you hear random baby noises it's not me or random sighing it's not Phoebe being bored it's well you don't know this it might it could be <laughs> could be no random crying noises might be <laughs> and how how old is your baby five weeks this week so just just a wee little man and I guess most importantly for this podcast I'm a painter so I paint mostly um quite large-scale clouds and flowers and I guess one of the main reasons I wanted to start this podcast Every time that I have fails or problems, I look out to or reach out to other artists that I'm friends with to see how they've solved that problem or how they navigated that issue. And it's taken me, I think, eight years to create friendships where I can ask people that sort of sensitive information, whether it's something small like, have you ever used a matte varnish or something big like, how did you price your works when you were moving into this market or this size? Or, And I guess I wanted to create a bit more of a community around that. So yeah, that was, they're the main reasons. I don't think failures themselves are bad. And I think in a lot of ways, we're not talking about ourselves as failures in this podcast. I think both Phoebe and I would probably be okay with us saying in some aspects of our business, I think we've been quite successful. And in a lot of ways, it's been in different aspects, which is probably interesting enough. 
But there's heaps of things every day, every week that I feel like I've failed at and that I wish I'd known that someone had said to me, oh, do you know that you could use this packaging system or try this varnish for that? And there's just, I've not had a network of people to turn to for that advice. So Phoebe, that's me in a nutshell. Who are you and why do you want to do this podcast? Yes, yeah, so I'm Phoebe Ganter and I am um, a mum of three children. The time this podcast goes out, they'll be seven, 11 and 14. So a little bit older than your two boys. And I am English, as you can probably tell from my accent, but I live in New Zealand now. And um, my husband and I emigrated here in late 2005, so nearly 17 years ago. I paint mostly sort of still life, landscapes, um, abstract landscapes, lambscapes. <laughs> they're, they're quite, they're they're quite niche. It's, it's, a, it's mainly lambs. <laughs> landscapes. <laughs> oh, God. It's a new Kiwi, Kiwi art form. That's fine. <sighs> um, I paint abstract landscapes <laughs> from... Oh, God. <laughs> it's really niche. I've got a lot in the garage because no one wants to buy them. Okay. <laughs> I really would love this podcast to become a kind of community, a place where, um, you know, people can feel like they can unite with others and be like oh my gosh it's actually really normal to have all these questions and not know what you're doing and actually it's it's okay to reach out and ask people I think that I mean hopefully if this podcast even just opens up a few conversations that would be awesome and I think if it's people building up a network of people that they can ask these questions to or if we can answer some of them you know preemptively I mean that's the main thing and if we can have a bit of a you know a laugh at ourselves and with you along the way then even better we've got lots of ideas of what we want to talk about but we're hoping that as as it moves forward we can kind of co-create it with you the listeners and have our instagram as a place and our, and our email as a place that you can reach out with your issues and problems so that we can kind of um read those um, queries and questions and failures and go oh yes I, I i've had one of those or i haven't experienced this julie have you experienced this or if neither of us have experienced this, we can like go to other artists and ask them and kind of collate it all together and have it in one place that we can then share and yeah, help people really just feel like, like it's just so normal to experience all these, these problems and failures. The topic of today, the topic... <laughs> What is the topic? <laughs> I'm just scrolling back up. Okay, so this week we are discussing failing to find a style. So Julie, do you, did you ever feel like you failed to find a style? And can you talk me through that? When I started, when I started painting back at uni in high school, I was definitely doing more figurative works. And then after art school, I had took a bit of a break, a bit of a career break, went and did something else. Um, and when I finally found my way back to art, I sort of started back with um, figures and nudes again. And it wasn't until I'd sort of needed to take, I guess, I didn't feel like that fit so well anymore. And so when I finally started painting again after that and sort of brought, branched out into the flowers, I sort of started feeling like I'd found something that was um, for me and that I really enjoyed and was pouring myself into. And I think the first real aspect of um, feeling like, 
being not quite sure about what the right thing to do was, was when I wanted to do the clouds and feeling like, oh God, am I going to alienate my art? Like, am I going to alienate my audience? Am I going to find galleries for both? And I, when I first started working as an artist full time, I think I was so worried that I wouldn't make enough money selling paintings that I started dabbling in quite a lot of other things. And I think that didn't work so well for me as well because you've only got so many hours in a day. And I was trying to take photos and do lino prints and all of it I enjoyed, but the painting was the thing that I really loved. And so I guess there are a few of the concerns that I've had over the last few years. So I was just going to ask you, um, when when you were at art school, when you just left art school, like your work now is very sort of what I'd call hyper-realistic. Is that, was that something that you kind of naturally found yourself doing or were you always you know were you always doing work like that or was it quite different at the beginning I was so different when I look back to my work from high school and uni it was so loose it was like really quite painterly actually it wasn't really until I started working on the flowers because they were a much sort of tighter subject matter and I think that's probably something that I like about the clouds is that they do allow me to sort of loosen up a little bit there is there are areas of the clouds that are quite loose and areas that are quite tight but it's different. My style has definitely really changed over the years. And that's something that I, I've enjoyed. I still, I think now I'd love to be able to paint as loosely as I used to. And I just can't, I don't can't know how, back. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but the clouds must give you an element of kind of expressiveness that the, the flowers don't. Is it, are your cloud paintings like completely, um, you know, like copied from a photo or are you making up some areas or are they com- com- combinations of a bit both? They let me be a lot more playful. I don't let the photograph that I use as my a reference image determine the work. Often I'll abandon the image with the clouds close to the end right. and spend a lot more time, I guess I'd call it resolving the painting in a way that feels good to me instead of in a real way that looks like the their reference image yeah because I guess no one's gonna go that cloud didn't look like that that day what are you talking about Julie (laughs) Phoebe I was super interested earlier when you were introducing yourself to hear how you would introduce yourself whether you would say I'm a painter or I'm a mixed media artist or I'm a landscape painter because you you have dabbled in quite a few things in the back of your mind were you thinking about painting that whole time or was it you were throwing yourself 100% into resin and then got to the point where it was like, all right, it's time to change now. And then you've jumped 100% into, as you said, trialing a bunch of different painting techniques and figuring that out as a sort of... Um... I th- I think, honestly, when I was doing the resin, I really did love it. And I didn't have the faith in my own ability then that I was capable of being a good enough like in inverted commas painter to make that something that I need could pursue which um you know in hindsight I kind of feel sorry you know sad about that a little bit because you know I, but potentially it was just like the confidence stepping stone that you needed it was like, and I think I needed that segue between not creating art for such a long time to picking up a paintbrush again I, I needed a bridge between the two and and the resin art and the fluid art was was that bridge but whilst yeah. I was on that bridge and crossing over I didn't know what was on the other side and I didn't know oh, sorry. it's all right it's it's not Julie's tummy 
It's actually her <laughs> tiny little baby um, making ever so cute baby noises. Um, yeah, so I didn't know sort of what was on the other side of that bridge and I, I didn't know how long it was going to be. And I, I did think for a while that resin was it. You know, I did think this is it and I found my thing and people love it and I love it. And I, you know, I had all these ideas for how I could expand it and keep going with it. And then I had ideas of starting to perhaps become a bit more painterly with with it. And I did do some paintings that I put resin top coats on and they were really popular and they sold really quickly. as a... But then I just, I don't know, it, it started to become very difficult for me to use it without getting health repercussions. I I was getting headaches and I was getting skin rashes even though I was using all the correct gear and I, I don't know I'm a very messy person so I it was very hard for me to not get it on my skin and myself even though I did have sleeves and long sleeves like I got it on everything I mean you only need to go in my garage which you know we had a brand new house and within a year of the brand new build I had a giant patch of resin that I'd spilt on the garage floor <laughs> that my husband still <laughs> shakes his head out when he sees it um it's just a piece so of history I, now <laughs> it's a piece of history it's a piece of art I should sign it um <laughs> so yeah I I I did think it was the thing I did I did think it was what I would be doing for a really really long time but turns out it was only about two years really and then it, I suddenly I just it was weird it was like I had this tiny little voice that was sort of the corner of my mind going like oh but what if you just did a little painting um (laughs) and then I sort of I was like oh yeah I could do that on the side and then I sort of so then I think one day I sort of did a a little bit of painting with some paints I had and did a kind of abstract landscape I quite like that actually it's quite nice but it and it just took a while for me to kind of I don't know just see that I could potentially drop the resin and and throw myself fully into painting again and it it took a long a long time for that confidence to build and even when I did start painting again I don't know I had this idea in my head that like I needed to create landscapes that were quite different from anything else out there and that were kind of stylized I suppose and this is where this is where I think a lot of people fall down because they get sucked into that idea quite early doors like quite early on in there like I want to be a painter I want to make art journey if you like and hate that word journey because it is a bit like math but but I, I kind of felt like I needed to get there like that was the destination of finding this way of painting these paintings that were quite unique to me and that would be instantly recognizable as mine and but I hadn't actually gone through the process of painting enough paintings to to actually know what I really want what I really liked painting so I sort of was trying to get to the end result of being a painter with a specific style I suppose before actually doing all of the work to get there your first sort of still life paintings that I remember seeing were quite loose and quite painterly and I liked them. But then the, the still life paintings that you're doing now, I love. So I, and I think the reason that they were loose at the beginning was because I just didn't have the skill set. 
um I didn't have the confidence or the skill I literally didn't have the skills to create them to be um anything other than painterly they had to be like that because I didn't I hadn't practiced that muscle enough to to create something really realistic if I was if I felt happy and satisfied with doing those ones that were painterly if that had if I had got to there and carried on because they were like you say like people really liked them too and I they weren't they in my mind they they're not horrible they're not bad but I I wanted to try and do them more realistically and that wasn't that wasn't because I think you know still lives need to be realistic it was just a need for me to to try and hone that skill and see and see if I could push myself and that's why I think it looks like the style has kind of changed it wasn't a conscious thing where I was like I'm trying to paint loosely but I now I I want to change my style and paint tight and neat it was literally like every painting I did felt like I was just tightening the cogs of my skill and um I liked it I liked the challenge and so then I I just kept going back and thinking well how can I make this even more like realistic how can I make this glass look even more kind of see-through and the more I've done the 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 less doubt creeps in I guess like it's still there don't get me wrong but um at the beginning it was like huge self-doubt of like I can't I don't think this is going to work and then almost like a baffled baffled kind of surprise that it looked all right at the end whereas now it's more like I can sort of see what needs to be done and I know that I can get there if I just keep kind of going So when you stopped doing the painterly figurative and you um, had this decision to, was it was it a conscious decision of like, I love flowers, I want to try and paint flowers? Or did you just randomly kind of decide one day to, you know, did you, what, what, what was it? Has, has flowers always been something you wanted to do? Or what was it that made you choose that particular subject matter? At that time, I was in a corporate job and we were worked around the corner from some really beautiful florists. And I remember just thinking one particular day that I had just not been paying attention to any of the small, beautiful things that were around me. That's interesting. And I'd bought some flowers and they were happened to be catching the light really beautifully at home. And so I'd taken a few photos and thought I'm going to try a painting. And the first few paintings that I did of flowers were also really bad, but I just knew I wanted to keep doing it. So I persevered. I think it was maybe painting number three that started the first painting for an exhibition that took me a couple of years to put together, actually, because I was still working at that stage. And it was almost like there was so much detail in the flowers. It was something that I could really throw myself into and obsess over. And I think it was the fact that I could finally switch off my brain from what had been going on at work that day. I'd found a subject matter that I loved enough to help me fall back in love with painting. So you didn't sort of try many different other things first you 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 just those photos were enough to spark this yeah. like kind of passion yeah. and obsession it was like, I want to try and do that and so it was, then it was like photographing as many different flowers as I could to try and find the right ones that had sort of right semi sort of transparent petals that I wanted to try and capture and just sort of launched me onto a bit of a something that I needed to to then work my way through so it was sort of like my instead of doing painting lots of different things I painted lots of different types of flowers right and did you try did you try different 
kind of way like color palettes and different kind of techniques or was it intuitively already kind of straight away trying to get them quite realistic they were a lot more realistic from the get-go um they started off a lot more grayscale and then I launched into color probably as a secondary element of that but that was I mean when I look back at that exhibition now it's all different so I think there were two peonies there was freesias there was dahlias it was sort of, and then I was doing etchings of the flowers and lino prints of the flowers, and it was kind of like a, a full. I almost feel like it was like a three hundred and sixty examination of of trying to capture light in different ways. And I think I never missed. I never looked back and thought I wish I'd continued doing nudes. I still have a couple of photo shoots that I've never used, and every so often I think, oh, I should, I should go back and and have try my hand at that again after all this time. Um, but I don't, I don't think I will. I'm, I'm way more passionate about painting flowers and clouds than I ever was about doing the nudes. Um, they were a good stepping stone for me. Mm. I almost needed, I needed to start with something that I knew just to get me back into it. It was almost, there yeah. were so many different things out there that it's all, it was almost overwhelming. Like it's looking at a white canvas, trying to decide what to paint. I just needed to start somewhere. I'm much happier now that I've found some things that I absolutely love and to paint them. And I don't think I've finished either. I, I'm nowhere near as afraid as I used to be from changing because I felt like changing from flowers to clouds was quite dramatic. But doing it once, I'm sort of like, all right, once I'm finished with clouds, I can launch yeah. onto the next thing and that'll just be the next thing. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, you, the, the fact that you've kept both going at the same time is, like, it's it's really lovely to see that, that you, have, you haven't gone, well, I, that's it, I can't paint flowers anymore because I'm a, I'm a cloud artist now. It's like you can actually you can be both. Like that, who is to say that you can't do both something very, you know, elusive and f- soft and like what's the word ephemeral? Is it ephemeral? Is that the word? And at the same time, a very sort of tight, realistic, detailed and neat, fla- you know, flower painting. Because you know, when I look at your work side by side, composition wise. Um, there's, there's there is still a lot of similarity there like i you know there's there's not they're not they're not so they are really really different but weirdly they are also there is a lot of crossovers of similarities and i think the more i paint my still life and my at landscapes and my landscapes are becoming more realistic um just whilst i kind of push my um myself to learn oil painting I suppose um yeah I I hopefully can see that there is a kind of thread of similarity with the colors that I use and with the compositions and and the light and that's that's something that's interesting to me and I guess what I'm doing is I think you have been perhaps um quicker at getting there getting kind of discerning about what you wanted to paint and I was a bit like life's like a box of chocolates and I have to try all of them at the beginning oh it's interesting because I look back at your feed and we were talking about this the other day um I can definitely see your style throughout all of your different styles and a lot of it I think has to do with color and feeling like we've talked a lot about your work Mm. having like a feeling of nostalgia in it and I see that Mm. throughout your landscapes and your still lives um, and I, th- when you say that I've gotten there, well, I mean, I've been doing this for a long, I've been painting full time now for, um, six years and have been putting a lot of hours in for a lot longer, like for 
yes, a long, long exactly. time. So it's not like I, I've certainly worked my way through. Um, yeah. I shouldn't have said quicker. I don't mean quicker. I mean, you got there before me because you have been doing it for so much longer. It looks perhaps like I've got all these different stuff, you know, like all these different styles in a short timeline because I have been like just desperately trying to kind of play catch up with the time that I didn't paint. And and I think the only way you can figure out what you like and what you don't like and what's interesting to you is just try it, you know, try all of the things, try all the styles, try all the genres. Um, and yeah, that might mean that you're a bit, you know, it looks all over the show at the beginning and it might mean that you don't, you know, you're not going to get your work into a gallery perhaps because you're painting 15 different subject matters or whatever at the beginning but that's fine and it's actually necessary and I think perhaps you know social media and Instagram has kind of given some people this false notion of like that you can arrive at this kind of style in inverted commas a lot quicker than actually you can um I think it's so interesting that as that idea of arriving at a yeah. style. I feel like style is a thing that evolves. Definitely. Like it never yeah. you don't it doesn't sort of well, I mean you don't really want it to stagnate, I don't no. think. And it's I've it's interesting looking I mean, at your work. I've really enjoyed watching you transition through all of the different things. I can see aspects of what you've done carry through. It's almost like you can see it evolving, mm. which as an observer is really yeah. interesting. And the whole gallery thing as well. Like I mean, I think I short shorted myself going into like my last few gallery relationships because I just assumed oh they'll only want I only presented them with clouds or flowers because I thought oh it's going to be too confusing they might not want both or you know that gallery already has some floral artists so I won't talk to them about that after starting with some of them they've all come back to me and said oh we'd like to try your cloud paintings or we'd like to try your floral paintings and now all three of my galleries want to represent me for both and I think well if I'd just shown them everything from the beginning like it's not the course I took and whatever that's fine that's what I got there in the end anyway but it's sort of I guess to everyone out there that's saying you should only do one thing for these reasons I think well no like doesn't have to be that way like there's not one there's not one course one path to become an artist no and I think people do confuse the idea of of style with genre a bit and that to to find your style means you have to stick with one particular genre or subject matter um but really you know once you have found the kind of or not found but once you have got confidence in the way that you paint and the type of um you know the way you apply paint and the way you what what paint what colors you really love and what tools you love to paint with once you've got a bit of confidence in that you you can you can quite it's quite absolutely fine to paint more than one subject matter um all right if you had to summarize what you've learned from changing your style so much um could you do it succinctly I think perhaps I just felt like I needed to present this idea that I was a professional kind of successful artist straight out the gate and I've I've always tried to be honest. I've always tried to explain to people, you know, like I'm learning, I'm, you know, this is a new thing. I haven't ever sort of been 
dishonest, I don't think, on social media about that. But Do you think that's because your social media had a certain um, success about it that you felt like your art had to immediately match yeah, that same success? I, I think so. I think I, part of me wishes I'd just started a brand new Instagram when I changed my style. Uh, well, like when I changed from resin to painting again so that I could have had the kind of get out of jail card that like I'm this is new to me I felt like um not that not that I couldn't share all these different styles as I was learning but when I put stuff up for sale and perhaps it didn't sell straight away I felt like I was a bit of a failure because I had all these people following me and you know that looked like to the outside world I was like this hugely successful artist um and it doesn't go hand in glove yeah and I feel I think you know I don't feel like you should be apologetic about the fact that your Instagram was really successful but it's and you have always been really honest with who you are and what you're struggling with and what you're doing but at the same I think there's a certain amount of assumptions that Mm. people make like when we first started chatting and you were like having issues with postage or would be something else and I'd be sort of like oh I assumed that this chick could have this shit nailed but exactly, and it's such a false, like, that's what I hated about it, was, like, I felt like I had to also sell work and um, be good at it, like, straight out the gate. And I was like, guys, this is, like, the first time I've ever tried to steal life <laughs> since I was, like, 16. I think there would have been a certain amount of, you've, you know, you were selling your resin art really mm. quickly and you've swapped and then you're paintings weren't selling quite so quick and there's a certain amount of doubt that would would be natural to creep in when things slow down yeah and I've it's fine I've made peace with it now um so I've I felt like I failed because I I felt like I flopped about and tried did all these different things and yet I absolutely didn't fail (laughs) because I needed to do all of those things I needed to try everything that was interesting to me everything that kind of inspired me and provoked the idea of like oh I want to try that like that is what it is about that's what being an artist is is and whether you do that um art school or whether you do that in the privacy of your own home with no one watching or whether you do that and you share it all on Instagram like that's it's all valid I just think we need to kind of dismantle this idea and this belief that people have that a style is a really like they need like uh, they need to paint a painting and they the world needs to be able to look at it and go oh that's a you know jane smith painting and i can 100% tell because i've seen that before when she's done a million of those like i think it's a real fallacy i don't know many artists that actually work like that yeah i think i don't know i think you asked me in a nutshell and i definitely didn't give you a nutshell i gave you like a whole acorn tree <laughs> I know, I think I was like, can you be succinct and felt really judgmental? Like, can you say this is that waffling? Can, can you say this at waffling? And the answer was, no, I no. cannot. <laughs> I cannot say anything in less than 500 words. I think we've both over the past so many years had discussions um, with each other on Instagram, with other people about the fact that we've changed styles and that that was scary and that we'd wondered whether we were doing the right thing. And every time we've shared that, I've always been, I've been overwhelmed with responses. And I know you have too, with people saying, oh my God, I change all the time. I don't know what my style is. And I think if there's one thing I want to get across with this episode, it would be that 
so many people feel like they've changed their style too many times and that that's you know somehow wrong or not normal and I think that it's incredibly normal I don't know how you find your style if you're not experimenting if you're not failing at things if you're not I mean how else do you figure out what you like um or what you're passionate about and that changing again is also fine like if that's what's I mean for me it's what keeps it exciting and I'd say that you know I still haven't reached the end of my cloud experiments yet there's still more things I want to explore there but I'd say you know give it three or four years and I'll be like I've I've explored this enough and I want to keep pushing myself and try something different um and I think that's normal too um or normal's a shit word as well I've said shit so many times in this podcast (laughs) it's okay you're Australian um Yeah, I think the thing is, I think a lot of people think that this word style, finding your style is a place to arrive at. Like, you know, finding your, you know, Google map destination and you're on, you know, you're literally like listening to Siri tell you where to go, turn left and then finally (laughs) you've reached your style destination. And the point is that I kind of, it's a bit like following, finding the gold at the end of the rainbow, you know. There is no end of the rainbow. It's going to keep moving and shifting it's all the time. It's something that evolves. It's not something that's finite. Yeah. And you, yeah. you you will never arrive. And even if you think you've arrived, look back in five years' time and I bet you'll find that it's changed again. And I think that, you know, this idea of like having a very specific style and way of painting is almost a bit of a fallacy that's sprung up because of social media because there are some people who have a very specific way of painting and are very confident in painting in that certain way and people see you know go on their feed and see this very specific color palette and style of painting and they think that that is the benchmark of what a successful artist looks like um and I'm here to say no not necessarily. There's there's no one roadmap to no. becoming an artist. There's no one right way of doing it. This is different as we are as people. Yeah, I asked on my stories, and I'll do this over on the Fail Like an Artist uh, Instagram next time. But I asked on my stories if any listeners had had any arty fails, and I got a lovely lot of responses. One here from Marajik underscore art, and she said she spray painted. I spray painted myself in the face trying to unclog the can, which I can imagine would not be ideal. So I have one here from Jen Seavers underscore art. And she said, again, there's another spray painting one here, trying to spray varnish on a completed commission. And by mistake, she used pink spray paint. <laughs> oh my God. Oh can no. you imagine? At first, like, shh. Ah, how do you even get that off? You don't get that off, do you? That's not going no, anywhere. I don't think so. Oh, Jesus. That is a pain. <laughs> ah. I reckon we could have a whole episode just on varnishing oh, yeah. fails. Yeah. I reckon will, I could fill a whole episode one, myself. Definitely. <laughs> um, this one here from I am Jane Putnam. At 17, I danced around my bedroom unaware that I had stepped in a black blob of oil paint. Oh. And I'm guessing her carpet was not black. <laughs> I should take this moment to say that if my mum listens, and I'm not sure if she will, I don't know if my mum knows how to podcast, um, she would ring in now and say that I once 
painted at our holiday house and dragged paint all through the master bedroom and I had to get it totally recarpeted. So I've done, I've done that too. And I With oil paint? With oil paint. What colour? I was like variety, I think mostly red. I tried really hard to scrub it out. Oh, so I'll just say one of mine then. What I was create, I did these resin chopping boards, um, uh, like for a for like a craft fair thingy, like a open studio thing, and I made a load of chopping boards with the resin beachy scene on, and I had them all in the garage, like. Um, face you know face up while they were drying and it went in the garage and one was not there and I was like where's where's the where's the chopping board gone like there were there was like 10 and there's no there's a space and I went back into the house and then <laughs> was like who's moved the chopping board who's moved the chopping board and I walked into my son's bedroom and my daughter who was like three at the time had put it face put one of these res- wet resin chopping boards face down on my son's bedroom floor. Oh, no. Uh, Did yeah. you have to cut it off? But it, no, because luckily I'd only just... It was just straight after, like, not long after school, and I'd only just sort of finished that they were still curing, and we'd only been in the house about six months. Oh, my God. So it was brand-new carpet, <laughs> brand-new house. My husband was like... I think First the garage and now do this. It in the garage, <laughs> yeah. So that was like definitely. Is that when you built your studio? That was when when I was no longer allowed to make resin in the garage. After that point. So I've been reading How to Be an Artist by Jerry Saltz this week, which has been interesting. It's not all been for me, but there's been some really, really great parts of it. Um, some parts that I think I probably skimmed through, but that's probably because I'm not quite awake. Um, but one part that I thought that I would read out was. Um, Uh, So I'll just read this quote from that book. So um, don't limit your potential by presenting yourself as just one kind of maker, a potter, printmaker, watercolorist, macramist. I've got no idea how to pronounce that. Thank you. Just let's go with that. Landscape painter, stone carver, steel sculptor, paper maker, glass blower, sketch artist, etcher, graffitiist, silk screenist, collagist, (laughs) eco artist, digital or mixed media artist. You're an artist. Wow. Probably should have thought, thought that <laughs> through before I chose that one that to read it. Like a tongue um, Don't limit your potential. I love that. Yes. <laughs> don't limit your potential. Oof. Like, you're an artist. Full stop. I love that. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to share a couple of things. I'm going to f- share a quote first, and then I'm going to share a message that I had on my Instagram when I asked other people about um, if they struggled to find their style. So the first one is by um a i think he's a journalist is he uh ira glass is that right he hosts a really great podcast called this american life but he's also done a bunch of other npr podcasts okay see i had not heard of him before but i heard this uh, on another podcast i was listening to uh, some while ago um andy j pizza's uh, creative pep talk he he i think he played this quote and it was really good so i found it again and I'll read it out now. So it says, Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone had told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there is this gap. For the first couple of years, you make stuff, and it's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. 
and your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you are just starting out or you are still in this phase, you got to know it's normal and the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure this out than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You've just got to fight your way through. And of course, you can replace the word story with whatever creative endeavour you have there. But I just love that because I think we don't think enough about the gap. And um, yeah, I think that's what sets people, you know, artists apart from, you know, regular other people is that they have this desire and this taste and this idea about what they want to create. And it's those people that keep going, um, you know, to bridge that gap. And then you've just got to know that the other side of the gap is another gap. <laughs> um, I always think it's really refreshing when you hear people that are really successful in their creative endeavours talk about the fact that they struggled to get there as well. Yeah. Like, it's really refreshing to hear that. Mm, it is. And it like it just really kind of kind of demystifies that idea that it's you know some people are born you know born with all this talent and skill and it actually that is such a small part of it and actually just dedication to doing the thing is you know what is going to get you further and make you improve and yeah so I had a couple of people that wrote in um and I had a lovely message from an artist called Joni Murphy, whose Instagram handle is um, Joni Murphy Artist. And she wrote to me, As an artist, it is our job and service to the world to explore, expand and evolve. Doing the same thing over and over is stagnant, is not exploratory or evolutionary. May as well be a factory worker. As artists, we are supposed to be inspired and inspirational. We give people hope and expand others' ideas and concepts. Growth and challenging the status quo is our real work. Break the social norm, bust out of the box. I love that you embrace the changing nature of your true self and express that in your work. Keep being you and keep being amazing. So that was such a lovely um, message from Joni. Um, and yeah, you know, who wants to be stagnant? Who wants to churn out the same thing over and over again? I've just Not done me. a bit of a deep dive onto her Instagram too. It's beautiful. And really interesting um, yeah, landscapes has... and still lives. And she does both really well. Yeah, and she does such beautiful, intricate kind of flower, um, na native uh, flora and fauna, watercolour leaves, but then also these painterly, abstracty kind of um, landscapes with oils and still life. Yeah, so, but again, I can tell it's her work because her colour palette is, is the thing that kind of unites them all together. So... You know, I yeah, I love her work, Joni, and thank you for that message. And then I had another one from another lady who um, is on Instagram as Oh, she told me so. And we'll link actually both these people in the show notes and and all the other things that we've we've talked about. We'll try and link to. Um, so uh, Oh, she told me so. 
said to me, re-personal style. I'm just, in inverted commas, a hobbyist. And one of the reasons I've decided not to pursue art is that I've never felt like I have a style. I haven't noticed anything consistent that I would see contributing to a signature style in any of the stuff I've done. But this past August, I've taken part in my first ever art course at a community college, so very low pressure environment. And seeing what I've done next to the works of others has made me realise that the things in my work that I've seen as weaknesses are the things that make them unique and different. When I was younger, I wanted to be a hyper-realist and I've been trying to let go of it. Now, in my watercolour class and my life drawing class, others have commented positively of how dreamlike my works are when all I've seen is a fuzziness and a lack of detail. Maybe that's my style and I should embrace it and not fight it. A couple of sessions with my peers have really and truly opened my eyes. And I just think how lovely, like she has seen that this, you know, dreamlike fuzziness that she thought of as like a failing and the fact that she didn't really have a style. That's her, that's her, that's her voice coming through in her work. And it's such a nice transition. And I love the way she, I hope that she goes on to pursue art and, and that she lets go of this re idea that she's just a hobbyist. We should probably wrap up with the normal um, podcast uh, spiel, as in please, if you like this podcast, um, like, follow, subscribe. It'd be really great if you could um, go on and leave us a review. A nice one would be awesome. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to leave us a nice review, maybe just don't leave us a review. Yeah, that, that's also a good point. <laughs> Five stars or nothing. <laughs> uh, so you can find the podcast at Fail Like an Artist on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can find us personally on our own um, websites and Instagram. So I'm at www.juliebattisti.com or at juliebattisti on Instagram and Facebook. And Phoebe is at... I am at Phoebe Gander Art on Instagram and uh, just phoebegander.com or Phoebe Gander Art on Facebook. Um, yeah, so drop us a line, follow us um, and yeah. On that note, I'm going to cut and run, mate. Awesome. See ya. Yeah. Peace Bye. out. Bye. Here. No, you will hopefully hear from us again next week. We will hear from you. You will hear from us. Oh, God. I've pulled it up. This is the first. This is. Please, please just know that this is like, it's going to get better, I would just like guys. to say that we are one hour and 27 minutes in to what is probably going to be a 25-minute episode, you, so that is how when, much we've cut out. When you, oh, gosh, yeah, when you look at how long... If you're only three minutes into your podcast, know that we've been recording <laughs> for one No wonder Elfie's sighing so much. All these bitches ever shut up. Oh. <laughs> well, I will um, have a play around and see if we've got anything in that one. <clears throat> yeah, she was talking to someone this week and they were like, oh, how are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, so long as I don't need to string a coherent sentence together, I'll be fine. <coughs> so I suppose it's a great time for me to start a podcast. <laughs> what else am I? I'm a mother of two kids. I've got a newborn <laughs> who's currently four weeks. I love how you nearly forgot that. <laughs> and yeah, we have three children and live. I've already said where we live. <laughs> not going to give out my address. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> um... <laughs> You can find Phoebe yet. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.